Would you turn to 1 John chapter 5? I've certainly enjoyed being with you all so much, and I uh, pray that uh, the Lord will continue to bless this church for the Lord's sake, and it's just been an encouragement to be with you and be with your pastor, and I, I, I'm thankful for this um, blessing. Just another uh, comment before I read my text. While you were reading uh, uh, Second John, I love the way John said the elder to the elect lady. You know, people don't talk like that today, do they? Um, but it was conversational. And if you had said to one of the early disciples, I don't believe in election, they'd say, what? <laughs> they no, you didn't believe anything, but it was actually conversational in the early church. You know, Peter, when he ended his epistle, he said, the churches that it's in Babylon elected together salute you. That's the way they talked. That's the way we ought to talk. Verse 18 of 1 John chapter 5. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not. But he that is begotten of God keepeth himself. And that wicked one, speaking of the devil, toucheth him not. Now I've entitled this message, What Does Sinneth Not Mean? We know, John says, he that's born of God sinneth not. What does sinneth not mean? Now let me introduce this message by asking you some questions that I'd love for me and you to be able to deal honestly with. I'm not asking for an audible response, but I want you to think about what I'm asking you. Number one, do you sin? Number two, do you commit sins? Number three, do you continue to commit the same sins over and over again? That's the question I'm asking you. Do you sin? Do you commit sins? Do you continue to commit the same sins? over and over again. Well, let me give you my answer to that question and you compare your answer with mine. Yes, yes, and yes. Isaiah said, and in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 5, we have sinned 
And in those, there is continuance. That's what God's prophet said. You can look it up yourself in Isaiah chapter 64, verse 5. Now, would you turn with me to 1 John chapter 1? What does sinneth not mean? Verse 5, this is the message which we've heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Now, among other things, that means that in him there is no sin at all. He is the sinless being. He is holy. He cannot sin. If he could sin, that would make him mutable. That would make that he could change, but he cannot change. He doesn't even have the potential to sin. Holy is his name. The Lord Jesus Christ is called the Holy One of God, the second person of the Blessed Trinity. He cannot sin. He doesn't have the potential to sin. I've heard people say, well, if he couldn't have sinned, what was the big deal about him resisting temptation if he couldn't sin anyway? That's just stupid. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about it. Um if he could sin, that means he would be mutable. He'd be like me and you. That would make him like us. He cannot sin. He's the impeccable one. The Lord Jesus Christ cannot sin. Holiness cannot sin. Holiness can't become more holy. Holiness cannot become less holy. You know, the only time we read of the word holier in the Bible, it's in Isaiah chapter 6 where God spoke of those who say, you're a I'm holier than thou. And he said, these are a smoke in my nose. I find them utterly offensive. God, the Holy Spirit, is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of holiness. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God of hosts. God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. Amen. Let's go on reading. Verse 6. If we say that we have fellowship with him. You know, a lot of folks make that claim. I pray. He hears me. I walk with him. I hear his voice. I've got a relationship with him. I have fellowship with God. You know, you go out on the street, most folks would say, yeah, I have fellowship with God. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. If we make a claim, I have fellowship with him and I walk in darkness. Now, most people, when they think of that, that means you sin in the dark. You commit sins that nobody knows anything about you committing. And if you 
walk in sin in the darkness. You can make all kinds of claims about your fellowship with him, but it's not real. Now, let me tell you, that's not what it means. If that is what it means, me and you aren't saved. And we will not be saved if that's what it means. What does it mean? Look what he says in verse 7. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us. Present. All the time. Now what is he talking about when he talks about walking in the light? Well, do you remember where Christ said, I am the light of the world? Now what was the context in which he made that statement? I'm the light of the world. Well, some Pharisees had set this woman up. They caught her in adultery in the very I think it's interesting that they brought the woman only. What about the man? He was just as guilty. He said stone them both. But uh, I think it was a part of a setup. They were trying to entrap the Lord. They were trying to put him in a position where they could condemn him. So these fellows bring this woman caught in adultery, the very act. There wasn't any doubt concerning her guilt. And they bring her before the Lord and they say, Moses said such a one should be stoned. But what sayest thou? And there was no doubt about her guilt. And Moses did that. You see, they were trying to entrap him. They thought they had put him in a position where they could condemn him. If he says stoner, we can say, oh, where's your mercy? Where's your grace? Where's your kindness to sinners? If he says, let her go. They could say, why, you have no respect to God's holy law. God said stoner, and you're just disregarding that. They thought, these ignorant men thought that they had omniscience entrapped. It's almost humorous that they could do something like that. Well, what's the Lord do? He stoops down. And he starts writing in the ground. Now, we don't know what he was writing, but um, I've got... This guess. When he was writing in the ground, and there's only two times the finger of God wrote in the scripture. The one time when he wrote the law on Mount Sinai, and the other time when the writing was written on the wall against Belshazzar in Daniel chapter 5. And here's kind of what I think he was writing. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou, the Bible tells you what to do, not about what you need to do about somebody else, what you need to do. Thou shalt not commit adultery. And then he rose up and he said, he that's without sin, and I have no doubt he's talking about this sin. You know, the Lord made it clear, whosoever looketh on a woman in his heart to lust after her. And I'm talking about a physical act. He hath committed adultery with her already. 
And I have no doubt that the Lord was referring to this sin. And he said, he that's without sin among you, let him cast the first stone at her. And they being convicted by their consciences, every one of them left. Now, if they'd have been convicted by the Holy Spirit, they would have come to Christ, wouldn't they? They surely would have. But being convicted by their own conscience, they thought, you know, I'm, I'm being a hypocrite. And they left. And then the Lord stooped down again and started writing. And I think I know what he wrote. Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. Thou shalt not commit adultery. He's saying this to all these men. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou art weighed in the balances and found wanting. And they left. And he rose up again. And he looked at that woman. And he said, well, woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Now, he then looked at her after she said, no man, Lord. And he said, neither do I. Now, how is that? I think that is seen in those two steps, stoops. He stooped down on the ground twice. The Lord had two stoops. One, when he became flesh. And two, when he was made sin. And when he died. What a stoop. And now when he speaks to that woman, He's speaking to her on resurrection ground. And he says, there's nothing to condemn you for. That's what that means. There's nothing to condemn you for. That sin has been put away because of my two stoops. Where I stooped to be flesh, kept the law, and when I stooped to die as a sin-bearing substitute and put away that sin, and now he's speaking to that woman on resurrection ground, I do not condemn you. Go and sin no more. And the next thing he says, I am the light of the world. I am the light as to how that can be. Now, if we walk in the light, we're not walking in the darkness of religious superstition and, and salvation by works. That's what verses 6 is talking about. If we claim to have fellowship with him and we walk in the darkness of salvation by works and human religion, we're liars. We don't do the truth. It's all a sham. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light. Oh, you think of the Lord dwelling in the light that no man can approach to. Oh, the, the light of the gospel, the light of how God can look at me and embrace me and say, he's not guilty. He's perfect. He's just. He's holy. What, what light? If we walk in the light as he is in the light. We have fellowship with one another. You know who I can have fellowship? Someone who looks to Christ only as everything in their salvation. Well, you can you can have fellowship with that person, can't you? You, you don't feel threatened. You don't feel judged. You don't feel like they're measuring you up. You're, Christ is all. That's the light. Christ is all. If we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth. That's always. I need cleansed every day, don't you? I need continual cleansing. The blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanseth us from all sin. Look at verse 8. 
If we say, he's using that word again. Remember, if we say we have fellowship, if we say that we have no sin, and there the word sin is a noun. It's not talking about an action. It's talking about our nature. If we say we have no sin, what are we doing? We're deceiving ourselves. You ever told yourself a lie and made yourself believe it's true? <laughs> I have. But that's, that's amazing, isn't it? You tell yourself a lie and you, you, you take the bait. Well, if you say you have no sin, you've told yourself a lie and you've taken the bait. You bit the hook. You deceive yourself. And the truth is not in you. Somebody that makes that claim, they have no credibility. Don't listen to anything they say. Anything they say doesn't have any credibility it? because they've made that kind of statement. Verse 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. Now, don't miss that. It doesn't say he's merciful and gracious to forgive us for our sins, does it? It says he's faithful. You see, he determined to do it before time began because of the lamb slain from the foundation of the world and he's faithful to do it. And he's just. His justice demands the putting away of our sins if we confess our sins. Now, what's it mean to confess your sins? I said this the other night. It doesn't mean to audibly articulate each sin you've committed because you don't know what they all are. There's not enough time in the day for me or you to do that. What that means is I take sides with God against myself. I agree with what God says concerning my sins. If we confess, you know the word confess means speak the same thing. That's what it is to confess your sins. You say the same thing about your sins God says. If we confess our sins. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say, there's that word again, if we say, if we say we've not sinned, and there the word's a verb, that's talking about anything me and you do. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's praying, reading the Bible. Um, I don't care what it is. Anything I do, I mean, there's some sins that are obvious transgressions. There's other sins that are religious sins, cover-ups, dishonesty. If we say we've not sinned, that's a verb, with regard to anything, we make him a liar because he says we have. We're saying God's a liar. Didn't God say regarding man, God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. That's God's testimony. You going to deny that? If we say we've not sinned, we make him a liar. And his truth, his word, is not in us. We're not real. Now, in light of that passage of Scripture, what does 1 John 5, 18 say? Now, first of all, 
I'm not asking you to tell me what you think it means. I don't want to try to tell you what I think it means. Or what does it actually say? That's what I want us to consider. What does this actually say? Whosoever is born of God sinneth not. That's what it says, isn't it? Now let me read you three translations from other Bibles. And this is one of the reasons why I love the King James Version. I, I, it says what the original says. Let me read you some translations, which in reality are not translations, but they're interpretations. Somebody says, this is what I think this must mean. And therefore they say they're translating that, but it's not a translation. It's an interpretation. We read in the New Living Translation, um, whosoever does not make a practice of sinning. New International Version says, does not continue to sin. The English Standard Version says, and that's what most Reformed people use, um, does not keep on sinning. Now, if somebody came up to me, and said, I do not continue to sin, and I do not keep on sinning, and I don't make a practice of sin, I would have um, one of two responses to that. If somebody came up and says, I, I don't sin. I don't continue to sin. I don't make a practice of sinning. My first response would be, I'm in trouble. I must not be saved. If they're saved, and they can make that statement that I'm not saved. That may be a response. But here's my response. You lying hypocrite. Nobody believes a word you're saying. You've deceived yourself and the truth is not in you and God's word is not in you. You're nothing more than a hypocrite. You don't have that spirit in which there is no guile. And what that spirit is where there's no guile, they're honest before God. I am nothing but sin in and of myself. So, what does sinneth not mean? Now look at the way John states this. We know. Who's the we? Well, the same we as Romans 8, 28, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. Somebody says, well, I don't know it. Well, I do. God's people uh, speak as a we. We know. All God's people know this. And the thing about the truth is, you, you might not know what this means, but you know what it means. <laughs> and when you hear what it means, you know it's true as soon as you hear it. That's the way the truth is. When you hear the truth, you know it's the truth as soon as you hear it. If it seems questionable, it's not the truth. You see, God's people have hearing ears. Every one of God's people can say, we know. We know. We know that all things work together for good. To them that love God. To them who are called according to his purpose. We know it. We know it by grace. We know it intuitively. I mean, we know. We're not doubtful about this. We know. And we know that whosoever is born of God. Now let's camp right there for a moment. Whosoever is born of God. Now whosoever 
means all who are born of God. All in that group. Whosoever is born of God. Now, what does it mean to be born of God? It means to be fathered by God. Now, think about that. It means to be fathered by God. Every time the word of born of God is used in the scripture, it's always in the passive tense. Utterly passive. Now, when you were born physically, your natural birth did not depend in any way on some response on your part, did it? You weren't around. Nor could you prevent it from happening by some resistance on your part. You were just birthed. There was a time where you weren't, and then you were. You were birthed by God. Now, it's the same thing in the new birth. I can't take that too far. It's the same thing in the new birth. And you just read that passage of scripture in John chapter 1. As many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them which believe on his name, which were born which were born, which were birthed. Not of blood. You're not saved because your mommy and daddy were. It has nothing to do with it. Not of the will of the flesh. There is no such thing as free will. I mean, it's not just an error. There's no such thing. God doesn't have a free will in the sense that his will is controlled by his nature. He can't sin, can he? He can't freely choose, I'm going to sin. He can't do that. His will is controlled by his nature. Free will is, is, there's no such thing. Somebody that claims free will denies total depravity. They say their will is sovereign over God's will, controls God's will. And they say salvation ultimately is in your hands. It's salvation by works. That's all it is. There's no such thing as free will. It's ridiculous. It's antichrist. It's, it's what, it's what Satan used to tempt Eve with in the garden. Why you, if you eat this fruit, You'll know the difference between good and evil. And you'll be able to choose the good over the evil. That's what's going to make you like God. It made sense to her, but it's wicked. You're not born of the will of the flesh. You're not born of the will of man. It's not like a bunch of men got together and started praying for you and said, we're going to pray till you're saved. I hope we do pray for people like that. But that's not what gives people the new birth, but of God. Birthed of God. Now, can something that God birthed sin? Can something that God birthed as holy sin? Holiness cannot sin. Let me repeat that. Holiness cannot sin. Look in chapter 3 of this same epistle, verse 9. Whosoever is born of God. What's it say? I'm not asking you what you think it means, but what's it say? Doth not commit sin. 
And somebody says, well, that means they don't practice sin. That's not what it says. You're putting something in there that's not there. Doth not commit sin. Look what it says next. For his seed, the seed of God given in the new birth, when you were birthed by God, his seed, the seed of God, remaineth in him, and he, what's that next word? Cannot. He lacks the ability. He cannot sin because he is born of God. Whoever whatsoever is born of God does not sin, period. That's what it means. Whoever is born of God does not sin, period. Now, to understand this, we're going to have to have some understanding of what happened in the garden. When Adam ate of the fruit, what did he do? He died. He died. That means something. You have the quickened who are dead in trespasses and sin. Somebody's dead. Laying there dead. I show them a beautiful picture. They can't see it. I play them beautiful music. They can't hear it. I... Tap them. They can't feel it. I kick them hard. They can't feel it. I take filet mignon and stick it in their mouth. They can't taste it. I take a fragrant rose and hold it up to their nose. They can't smell it. They're dead. Dead. Graveyard dead in trespasses and sins. When Adam died, now he didn't die physically. He died spiritually. He lost the ability to perform the functions of spiritual life. He couldn't hear the gospel. Well, he could hear it audibly, but he couldn't understand it. He couldn't see the beauty of Christ, the beauty of being saved by his righteousness. He couldn't smell the sweet fragrance of the gospel. He couldn't feel the Savior's embrace. He, he lost all ability. Now, he was alive to hate God and run away from God and blame God for the fall. He did all that, but that was his... Sinful nature, he still had that, but his spirit died. And when God gives life, he gives life that was not there before. And now you have spiritual life, birthed by God. Now, what did Christ do on the cross? He removed the cause of death. The reason... For death is sin. And he removed the sin. He was manifested to take away our sin. And in him is no sin. And what does God the Holy Spirit do? He births men. He gives spiritual life. Life that was not there before. Birthed into the kingdom of heaven. And this is the plain teaching of scripture. Turn to John chapter 3. John chapter 3. There was a man 
of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night. There's a lot there. And said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art come from God. The, the reason he came by night was because he was scared of what the fellow buddy Pharisees would think of him being there. But more than anything else, he was in utter darkness. He didn't have any light at all. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, I think it's like he's pretty much saying, Nicodemus, you don't know anything. You say, I know you're come from God. You know nothing. Verily, verily I say unto you, except a man be born again, born from above, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Can't see it. Can't understand it. It's just not going to know. Verse 4, Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he's old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Verily I say unto you, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Not only can he not see it, he cannot enter it. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. It's not going to rise above its nature. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I say unto you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wills. You hear the sound thereof, but you can't tell whence it cometh and whether it goeth. So is everyone that's born of the Spirit. Now, if any man be in Christ, let me give you some scriptures. You can write these down. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things passed away. Behold, all things have come new. That's talking about that new standing before the law in the gospel, yes, but it's talking about the new nature. The new nature that cannot sin. Uh, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, where we, he loved us even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us, given us life together with Christ. By grace are you saved. This is really a law gospel issue, a works grace issue, this thing of the new birth. And not being able to sin. James 1, 18. Of his own will. Begat he us. With the word of truth. Birthed by God. Can God the Holy Spirit birth something that's evil? Can God birth something that's sinful? The answer is no. No. This is who he is. Um, 1 Peter 1, 3 says that we're begotten again unto a living hope. First um, Peter one twenty three. he's begotten us not by corruptible seed, but incorruptible, not even subject to corruption, by the word of God which liveth and abideth forever. Second Peter one four says we're partakers of the divine nature. Now that is what is meant by being born or birthed of God. Just as the triune God cannot sin, he cannot act contrary to his nature, um, those which are born of him cannot sin. Now here is the rub. I sin. What about that? I sin. The new nature doesn't sin, and I sin. Well, I can, 
I can give you the explanation to that from the scriptures. It's because you still have the old man. You still have him. And he's just as sinful. And his appetites for sin are just as real as they were before you were saved. And really, that never goes away. You have two natures. And the problem is, these two separate natures, the holy nature and the sinful nature, run through one consciousness. Your own. It's kind of like a water faucet. One side's cold, one side's hot. They come out the same faucet. And every believer has two separate natures in one man. Paul said the flesh lusts against the spirit. The spirit lusts against the flesh. These are contrary one to the other. So you can't do the things you would. You would never sin again. If you're a believer, you would never sin again. But you can't. You would be a monster in iniquity. If people could see what's in your heart in the last week, you'd run out of here and never face anybody again. But you can't. You can't. Two natures in one man. That's what Romans 7 is all about. And I've heard people say, you need to get out of Romans 7 and into Romans 8. But once again, that's so stupid. I hear preachers say that, and I think you don't have any understanding of Scripture at all to say something like that. Romans 7 is the healthy Christian life. That's You see, it's the new man that sees the sin of the old man. And the new man owns the sin of the old man. Now, I don't know how to explain all this, but it's just it's the experience of a believer. What does that which is born of God do? Let's go back to our text. Uh, let me try to finish this up. We know that whosoever is born of God sinneth not, but he that's begotten of God, birthed by God, what's he do? He keeps himself. He keeps himself. And that wicked one toucheth him not. Now, with regard to these two natures, the New nature doesn't say, just don't worry about the sins of the old nature. Let her go. Not at all. He that's begotten of God keeps himself. You see, he knows he's afraid of that old man. And he keeps a watch on it in that sense. He's scared of it. He keeps himself. We are told to keep ourselves pure, to keep ourselves unspotted from the world, to keep the unity of the Spirit, to keep His Word, to keep yourselves in the love of God, to keep my works to the end. Blessed is the one who keeps his garment, that wedding garment. He, uh, aren't you scared of being in any, in any other garment but that one garment? The righteousness of Christ, and you don't want to be anywhere else. Now, if I have a new nature, I'll be on the lookout because I know I have that deceptive old man that frightens me to death. But thank God we have this promise. Now, understand this. Is, this is so important. That old man, that wicked old man, he's the elder. And you know what he does? He serves the younger. 
What do you mean by that? That old man makes it for you where the only garment you have is the righteousness of Christ. That old man drives you to that, doesn't he? That old man teaches you that the only hope you have is having the wedding garment. And so in that sense, the old man serves the new. You remember when Rachel or Rebecca, was it Rebecca? I can't even remember if it was Rebecca or Rachel, but she has the twins in her belly. And she doesn't know it. And she comes up to the Lord. She wasn't struggling until she had life in her. And when she had that life in her, this struggle took place. And she didn't know what was going on. And she goes to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord tells her, you can read about this in Genesis 25, two manner of men are in you. Two manner of men. The old man and the new man. But he gave this promise. The elder, the old man, is going to serve the younger. And this is something only God can do. I mean, you can't do this. But God brings good out of evil. And that evil sin of yours that's all your fault, that's wicked, that you hate, that serves to make you look nowhere but Christ. You don't have anywhere else to look. And you know, I actually say, this last verse, he that's begotten of God keepeth himself, and that wicked one toucheth him not. Now, how is that? That wicked one toucheth him not. Well, there's nothing for him to work with. Remember when the devil was tempting the Lord and uh, the Lord gave this summary, Satan had found nothing in me. There's nothing for him to work with. Lord couldn't sin. There's nothing for the devil to work with. Now, if the devil works with your old man, he's got plenty of work with, doesn't he? He, he, he's got, he can turn you inside out just like he did Peter. But with regard to the new man, he can't touch it. Just like he couldn't touch the Lord, he can't touch the new man because it's begotten of God. Somebody says, you believe in one saved, always saved? Well, it depends on who saved you. If you save yourself, nah, I don't believe that. You'll fall away. If God saved you, if God saved you, if God elected you, if Christ died for you and put away your sins and even right now stands at the right hand of the Father as your great high priest interceding for you, if God the Holy Spirit has given you this new nature and birthed you into the kingdom of God, yeah, I believe in eternal security. Just depends on who does the saving. If God does all the saving, yep, we believe it, don't we? Uh, if anything's left up to me, no, I won't make it. But thank God, he does it all. When Christ said, it is finished, the salvation of all of God's elect was finished.